Greetings, fellow investigators, and welcome back to our video podcast, Into the Darkness, where my friends and I play the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game. I'm your host, Tom Rayleigh. Our campaign is The Curse of Nineveh. It was written by Mike Mason, Mark Latham, Scott Darwood, and Paul Fricker, and it's available from the Chaosium website. I'm the GM, and this is episode 41. Our final recap will be given by David Gasway as his character, Audrey Lycaster. So without any further delays, let's continue our journey into the darkness. David? Thanks, Tom. Uh, I begin the letter. Dearest Priscilla, if you are reading this letter, then I'm afraid I have come to a perhaps ignominious end. But if we fail, my friends and I, in our attempt to stop what is about to occur, that should be the least of your concerns. Um, I've become a sort of honorary member of the Wentworth Club, um, which has seen a great deal of attrition in the last year or so, as a number of my friends and friends thereof have passed away in an effort to stop what we're trying to stop tonight. As you know, there's been an abrupt coronation the ones you don't know, that thing which wishes to occupy our throne is not a man any longer, but the vessel for some alien evil called Yuhuthris or Yog-Sothoth or something mad and inhuman. If the ancient scrolls that we have translated are correct, if it can successfully advance beyond its coronation at the ancient temple that's been recreated by my hard work in the British Museum, it shall rule the world. But we hope to prevent that, my friends and I. Patrick Longton, whom I've worked with, you've met him a couple of times, and a fellow from a club named Munden. We are going to attempt to intercede um, London's going to hide in the ventilation. I'm going to use my connection to the goddess Bast of ancient Egypt, who was real and eager for worship. And, um, and Patrick's just going to play an American cowboy and go in with explosives. Um, you'll be told uh, terrible things about me if we're successful. But uh, let me assure you that we are attempting to do something, frankly, to save the planet. Um, all my love to your, to you and, and Robert and Priscilla, ass, Audrey. All right. In the morning, there is a lot of articles in the newspaper concerning the coronation and the uh, festivities. Um, the king, the new king, King Edward, was presented to over a thousand people. And they were let in bit by bit, uh, small groups. Uh, each of them stepped forward and was able to shake the hand of the king. 
and it was noted by many that people were awestruck, at least after they had uh, shaken the hand of the king, they seemed to wander around in the days. Um, the, uh, the king is planning on going to the British Museum in the evening, uh, around 7.30. Uh, they've already sort of blockaded off certain areas. He's going to be traveling by limousine. Uh, there's going to be two cars ahead of him, two cars behind him, and eight motorcycles in the uh, cavalcade. Cavalcade, is that the correct word, I think? Um, motorcade. Motorcade. There we go. Yes, they're in, they're in motors. They're not in cavils. <laughs> um, there's been a lot of celebration, and uh, to you, of course, it's all horribly tainted by the truth. Um, so let's say it's around 5 p.m. And uh, initial uh, planners and stuff uh, are showing up at the British Museum to make sure everything is in place. There's going to be a red carpet. Uh, there's, uh, you know, going to be a champagne for guests. Um, uh, but the king is going to arrive at 7.30. Uh, and from what you understand, uh, he and Elphinstone uh, will go uh, forward first. Uh, they will have a contingency of 12 security, sort of half surrounding them. And that they're going to uh, go into the temple and uh, people are invited to follow behind them as they go in. Uh, but there's not going to be a lot of people that actually go into the museum. The security is too high. Um, the museum normally closes at five? Yes. Um, and I assume there's some security detail headed by Yates to make sure that it's actually empty before the royal retinue shows up. Correct. Except, of course, your employees, you can you can be inside working. Right. Um, when does the first of the king's uh, household show up to prepare? Are they there already at five, or are they at, at five? There are a number of them that show up, but they're mostly caterers and uh, somebody brought the champagne. Somebody's brought some finger foods. Right. Um, the temple itself has been closed um, so that there will be like a ceremony for the opening of it. Um, and uh, other than security doors in the back, there's not really any access to it. Is the, uh, are there doors before the, the reconstructed temple, does it have doors or is it an archway or? Um, uh, if you're going from the out, the way people would go in, uh, you're going to go through three three doorways with uh, winged uh, human bull creatures on either side, uh, and then that will lead into like the uh, the temple 
uh, where the people would be, and then there's the the square room where the niches are, and the altar and the dais. That's that's the the holy of holies, if you will. That's where all the artifacts would have been originally. And it's so there's a museum wall, and then there's a temple wall, and then doorway, right. and then this is also inner recess. Right. This has all been constructed inside the Assyrian wing of the uh, thing, of the uh, the museum. So if uh, if our plan goes as hoped, once we learn this, Munden should have access to the Canyon Elphinstone alone for a moment at least from above. That's promising. Right. <clears throat> but we have to wait for some sort of power convergence or signal because he's only vulnerable once the gate is open, if I remember correctly. Yes, presumably if Elphinstone's going with him, that's so that he can perform his job as medium uh, without onlookers to intercede. Right. Um, my, uh, and you know, as soon as, I guess, I, I, perhaps I'll try to reach the Ugolos around six o'clock. Um, and and we can see what they can see where I can't go. Right. I, I only have a five minute window in shadow form. And where do you plan to uh, take on that form? Now, how far is my office from the site, from the temple? Two minutes walk. Uh, maybe three quarters away from my office to the temple site, somewhere in a side hallway or a janitorial closet. Do it, turn into the form, and then go right to the wall. All right, you'll be going through. Yeah, so you won't have to take the stairs, will you? Right. Yes, but would, would you be able to take your satchel with you through the wall? I don't think so. No. Oh, okay. Good call. Yes. You're going to have to take a conventional means, but it, they'd have less of a time. I would, I would say that they would have less of a time seeing a, uh, a uh, floating bag, as it were, as opposed to, to you as a shadow. No. Or as a full person. The spell should take effect. It should be quick, right? It's almost instant. It's three, three rounds. Three rounds, so 18 seconds? Yeah, that's good. So if Munden is in there and the vortex opens, you might not even need, or you could try the fireworks, or I mean the whole bag, or just light off a firework, or drop the whole bag with the grenade. When I hear that explosion, I'll fly through, or I, that's the thing, I'm trying to figure out how we're gonna time it properly. I don't want you getting hurt. When I'm in shadow form, I can't be hurt. So if I wouldn't mind just detonating it, I'll walk up to him with it and detonate it. But when is the question? I only have one shot at this. Well, perhaps you should uh, perform that ritual uh, next to me in my office while I'm aware of what the Ugalos are seeing. Oh, yes. there, I forgot about that. 
Quite. So I mean, the, the moment that the, the king and, and Elphinstone enter the area, if the Ugalos are there and watching, if you begin then, you have four minutes right. to fly Pat downstairs. Patrick, do an idea roll. Uh, 19. Okay. If you could actually be in the temple, literally standing in the shadow, and nobody would see you, you'd just be oh. a shadow. I didn't think I could do that. I thought they were going to do a sweep of the area. That's why. Once again, you would just look like a shadow. Nobody would notice that you were even there. They can't touch you. Right, but I only have five minutes. If the if the ceremony takes longer than five minutes, what, what, why do you have the the impression that you only have five minutes? I was under the assumption that once I was in a shadow, I was. I, I thought you're in they have five minutes. You're you're in a shadow permanently. If oh. if you want to pick something up and move it, you have to use one point of, of magic. Right, right. And then you've got about five minutes. If you want to go beyond that, you have to use another point of magic. That's where the miscommunication was. I was thinking I was only non-corporeal for five minutes on a clip, and I had to cast it again. Nope. But okay. at the same time, you need to know when to strike, because if you don't know when to strike, then... So this whole conversation, unfortunately, I apologize, never happened. <laughs> I'm going to be in non-corporeal form and waiting inside the temple. When you hear my explosion, then you guys come running in. Completely sorry about that. That was my mistake. And you could, we've already determined that you could hide your explosive in one of the stands. Right. It's true. It's true. That's right. Right. So, yeah. So, uh, even though I'll have eyes on, you'll be on hand. Correct. Yeah. From what you guys have, have understood, there's going to be an order to it. There's going to be some sort of an invocation, uh, the appearance of the Tablets of Destiny, um, some sort of opening of a gate, and then will come the merging of uh, the king and Yog sothoth and then there'll be a period where it's sort of a, where that merge is taking place. That's where he's vulnerable. Audrey, Munden, um, quick possible change of plans. If we don't want to kill the king, those tablets of destiny know everything. They might tell us how to banish Nebuchadnezzar or Yahustras from the king and permanently Ban, ban him from Earth, and then we save the king and not kill the king. You would be the one to read them because you would be there where nobody to see you, potentially. Potentially, I just don't want to try that and everything goes off the the rails. But I certainly think if you can, if if the scroll, scrolls do appear as anticipated, and you can snatch them away, that's a, a strong start. Um, if, if, if you I can do, snatch them away and get out without blowing anything up, we might already, that might be, a, you know, a success for us. I, but we at least have Mundan and myself as, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yes. I available I to finish the job. Throw everything off by attempting that, that's all. No, the, uh, the, the Child of Tranquility suggested that 
um, should we be able to capture the scroll that is in its own right some form of success, as I understood him? It's a small change in the plan, and that we try to get the scrolls working, and if they do work, then well, let's, we can do something. Let's do some clarification here. There are the scrolls of endless shadow which were written on the guy's skin. Mm -hmm. And there are the Tablets of Destiny. Tablets of Destiny. Which mm. are stone tablets that are, on which are written all knowledge of the past, present, and future. Nabu's special all right. object. Uh, do we have, have we learned anything about what Whitehead's going to do? Is he coming in the second group after the King and Elphinstone, or...? You have no idea. I don't like that fellow either. No. Well, lads, Sounds I feel like as though I'm doing the least of all of us. You might just be the one to survive and possibly help me get out of my spirit form and then maybe inform the king if we succeed about what truly happened to him. No, I wonder if he'll know what's been inside him. Elfins, I mean, um, Delgado, entirely mad. All right, I'm just looking something up really quick. Do you have anything else to say? All right. So the time is getting closer. We're at, uh, we'll say we're at 6.30. Are you all getting into position? You've got an hour. Yes. All right. Well, I guess I should read my scroll or spell and then head into the temple. Anything I need to know before we do this? I'm talking to. Yes. Um, you know, Patrick, if we all make it through this, I'll do whatever I can to recover our body for you. I don't want to see you uh, as worn out and spendthrift as the shadow that uh, our, our, our friends dispatched earlier. Um, it's been uh, good to know you both. I'm glad that I met uh, brave souls in this difficult time. Um, I'm, I'm going to uh, settle in here on my office couch and summon the Ugalos. If they have anything to say to either one of you before you go about your ways, I shall try to convey it. And I will curl up and grab the opal and reach out. wish I had something I could say in, in any kind of memorandum or, or such, but uh, the world's would it all fails me. It all fails me. But good luck. Godspeed, and may we save the empire and the world. All right. <clears throat> As uh, 
from uh, the the only one. Well, okay. So uh, Patrick, um, you step into you said a closet at least at first. Yeah. Um, you have the liquid, the the, the potion. Um, there were a couple of words that you were supposed to recite, which you do, and you you drink the the, the cloth down. Um, uh, you feel sort of shaky all over all of a sudden, and uh, you can see that your hands begin to fade out uh, and become uh, dark. I need you to do uh, to expend ten magic points. Which drops me three hit points because I only have seven magic. Right. And you need to do a 1d10 plus one sanity loss. Four plus one is five. Five. Why don't you roll me an eight-sided dice? Which leaves me at 39 sand. Eight-sided, you said? Yeah. Uh, two. All right, I'm going to have you do a power roll. Oh, eight. One All shy right. of extreme. When you fade into darkness, you feel very cold. Um, and you realize in that moment that your clothes have remained visible. And so you have to remove your clothes. Um, you're on the, the verge of panic. What you rolled was flee and panic. But I let you do a power roll to see if you could overcome the, the sudden urge to just run the hell out of here. Um, you feel oddly empty. Like maybe your soul is gone. I don't know. It's it's bizarre feeling. You don't think that you're ever going to be hungry again. And now There's, I feel even more exposed because I had to shed my clothing. Right. But you also find that you can slip through the thin little louvres in the door and out into the hallway. And there may be a few people walking about, uh, you know, people prepping and stuff like that. But you, 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 it feels like you're hugged against the wall. And as long as you stand still, you just look like a shadow. Um, and when the eyes are not pointed at you, you can slip very quickly across the floor, up the wall, to the next shadow. And very quickly you make yourself, uh, you, get, you get to the temple. And when you get there, the temple doors are closed. As I said, they're going to open them. But you can slip right between the crack in the door and into the temple. And of course, it's very dramatically lit, which means there's a lot of lovely shadows. Um, you can literally stand right next to where you've got your ex explosives hidden. Um, and nobody will be able to see you there. All right, so you're in position. Uh, Audrey, you are in your office. Uh, what are you going to do? Um, uh, cross my legs on my uh, most comfortable piece of furniture okay. and uh, hold the opal in my hand and close my eyes and reach out to the Ugalos. 
and immediately, uh, in a similar manner to the shadow, to our shadow man, uh, the shadows coalesce and there are two shadowy lion men with huge fangs and, and huge long claws. And they sort of bow to you in obeisance. I acknowledge them and send them, I, perhaps I vocalize it in my mind. The temple is two floors down. It looks like this. You'll, it, it will be familiar to you. Um, that is where the attack will be, if, it, um, if we may. All right. And they, uh, they immediately fade into shadow and disappear. Um, Patrick, it may be that while you are there in the temple, you see uh, rather brightly colored two lion-like creatures in jeweled armor that suddenly fade into the room and they're standing seemingly in shadow, but you can see them pretty clearly since you're also a shadow creature yourself now. Munden, from your vantage point, you can see down the hallway towards the, the, the front end of the museum. Um, at the time, uh, right about 7.30, uh, there's a bit of commotion going on down there that you can see. And you can see that an entourage of people, uh, maybe 20 people, uh, move forward towards the front end of the temple on either side. And suddenly you hear a rather bizarre sound, uh, a horn being blown. Um, sounds like a ram's horn, uh, like something you may have heard like in a Jewish ceremony of some sort, you know. Um, and walking forward, you see a number of guards first, and then you see the king, King Edward, and you see next to him uh, a man uh, who you, you recognize as Elphinstone. And Elphinstone is dressed in a rather unusual looking uh, uh, Sumerian garb. Um, uh, the, the king isn't. The king is in a very nice suit. Um, but uh, Elphinstone is dressed up like, I guess you'd say, a high priest. And uh, he holds in his hand what looks like a mask. Uh, and it seems to be made out of gold. And they both step forward into the temple. And some of the guards stop. And they stand near the doors actually right where you would drop down. And the king and Elphinstone walk inside. And Elphinstone suddenly throws his arms like this and begins chanting something in what sounds like ancient Sumerian. Um, and he, he precedes the king and he goes forward. And then he steps to the side with his hand still upraised and the king steps forward and steps up onto the dais uh, in front of the altar. And uh, Elphinstone continues to chant this 
ritual in uh, in, in foreign language. And as he does this, um, possibly at this point you're dropping down out of the the thing to get onto the roof of the temple. You suddenly notice something as you as you're looking towards the doors of the temple, uh, uh, going out to the outside. You suddenly see Aloysius Delgado comes stumbling in, followed by a couple of other people, and there seem to be an entourage of people, quite a few of them, and they're all sort of shambling forward. And you get the impression that these must be the people that he's already sucked their souls out. And they're being called by whatever their, this ritual is. Mm -hmm. But you do realize that there is a crowd of people now that are walking into the temple, the kind of crowd that you could easily blend with if you wanted to. That might not be a bad idea. Um, first thing before I, I consider doing that, um, where's Whitehead? Do I see him? You don't see him. You don't see Whitehead. Okay. Um, sure. I'm going to, I'm going to carefully climb down the temple. Okay. And, uh, Since there are people out there, you'll have to go over to the side and find yeah. a way, find a way down. Um, I want you though, you're going to have to jump at least part of it. Mm -hmm. uh, do um, do a dex roll. Okay. Or a jump roll, whichever one's better for you. All right. Let's see which one's better here. Uh, dex is definitely better. <laughs> uh, made it hard success. Twenty. Okay. So you land and you manage not to to twist your leg ankle or anything like that. Um, you make your way back around and you realize that you can just step through this little side panel and right into the crowd and nobody's paying attention. They're all walking into the temple. Um, and the guards seem to be letting them. Mm -hmm. uh, the guards themselves seem to be somewhat mesmerized. Mm. And I assume that the Ugalos uh, are not able to attack either Elphinstone or His Highness? Um, they're still invisible. Uh, 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 Munden, you don't see anything. Audrey, you can vaguely see what's going on, but the Ugalos have not yet been summoned okay. by Naboo. Um, and yeah, they can't seem to, they can't seem to act. Uh, right. they're, they're not right. I'm going to make my way to kind of, you know, with the crowd towards the opening in case if, you know, things happen, I can, I can jump out of the way, but I'm not going to entirely enter the temple. All right. If I can help it. At this point, there could be easily a thousand people. Oh, and wow. these are probably all of the people that have been uh, absorbed by Naboo. So There's the place is now, now crowded inside. Patrick, of course, you see the same thing. Um, the ritual continues for a few moments and uh, uh, Elphinstone turns to Naboo 
and he says something, and Naboo sort of gives the go-ahead. And when he does, see Elphinstone once again, he raises his hands and he begins to pray. And suddenly there's this sort of shimmering light near Naboo, and these tablets um, appear in the air. They're, they're bigger than what you'd expect, and they seem to just be hovering in the air. Um, they seem to be glowing with a strange light. And you also notice that there's, uh, they're, they're, they reek, they smell horrible. It's kind of a sulfury, rotten smell that's uh, filling the room as they've appeared. Now, can I work my way through the shadows closer to the tablets? I'd say you can do that without any difficulty at all. Uh, There. Go ahead. I was just going to say I want to... Is Nebu staring? Are the tablets floating in front of him? Or are they behind? They're they're sort of to the side of him. And he's turned, he's now got his back on the people, and he's he's facing forward and he's beginning to raise his arms. If and, I feel okay. I could get to them and grab them, I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. All right. Do a luck roll. 54 out of 54. Okay. All right. You're going to reach for the strolls. Um, what I need you to do is expend one more point of, of uh, magic so in order to, to... 10 hit points. Right. In order to grab a hold of them. And you're going to reach up and you're going to grab a hold of them. Now, when you grab the tablets, it's almost as if your hands are glued to the tablets. You can't let go. Um, you also can't move them from where they are. Uh, and you're staring into the tablets. Uh, written on the tablets, it's all knowledge. And it's in a language you can co- completely understand. And you begin to absorb this information. Uh, what I need you to do is, I need you to do a power roll. 32 out of 35. Okay. You need to roll 2d6 of hit points. Five and one, six points. So I'm down to four hit points. Okay. So you suddenly feel agonizing pain as you look as you're holding on to these things. Um, I also need you to do a sanity roll. Oh, uh, 44 out of 39. I can't spend luck on sand, right? Yeah, I think you can. Can you? I, I think I'm you, trying you, to blame you. Can't, you can't spend it on You can't spend on it on combat. luck. You can't spend it on combat. 
and, and I don't think you can affect a like a damage from injury or sanity or whatever. But I in any ways, yeah, I'll uh, uh, spend the I, luck. Forty-nine points on luck. luck. All right, and then do a one d ten for Sam loss. Oh, I thought you were gonna say hit points. I was like, oh no, I'm done. Sam's pretty bad too. You've already almost oh. fled. It would have been one d hundred if you had. I got uh, eight, dude. All right, you take eight eight damage of Sam. But what information are you looking for? The power word to banish Nabu Yagshatoth Yohuthris, a cure for myself. No, just one thing. Oh, it's only one thing. I thought it's a thought, so I could put do, a whole bunch of thoughts in my do, head. You can start out one thing at a, at a time. At a, time. A, a power word to permanently banish Nabu Yagsathoth Yehudras okay. from Earth. All right, so that is somehow coming into your mind. We'll get back to you. Um, what's his name? Uh, uh, Elphinstone says some more words, and suddenly, uh, Audrey, you feel um, kind of a a physical tug in your soul as the Ugalos are suddenly manifested on either side of Naboo. And they feel they're, they're entrapped. They're, they're, they're held there um, by his power. Um, Munden, what do you do? You can vaguely see that Patrick's shadow man is holding the scrolls but nobody else seems to have noticed this I'm the ugolos don't see it either the ugolos eyes don't see the shadow man no the ugolos well not at this point the ugolos are staring straight forward out into the crowd like like guards on either Centuries. side of the mm -hmm. i'm 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 holding i'm holding there till I, right. see, I see an opportunity all right um Elphinstone continues, and suddenly you see the king, King Edward, put his hands out like this, and very much like, um, like the young woman at the garden party, he begins to rise into the air, and there's, you suddenly hear distant thunder outside, and you, you can hear you can feel the ground shaking just a little bit as the thunder rumbles and a sort of light opens up in the air above Naboo. And as he's rising up, you suddenly notice his clothing begins to rip. His body begins to bubble and ooze the way the girls did. Blood comes out of his eyes and his mouth, but it's forming these bubbles around him and you can do a sanity roll if you can see it <laughs> you don't have to patrick you've lost so much sanity and you're staring into the into oh oh fail fail hard fail all right uh. do i see it through the uber list uh no you don't you're not looking in that direction I just see a throng of insane, broken humans. Right. And they're all staring up into it. Oops. That's the one that works. Um, you failed 1d10 sanity. Oh. 
Mountain. Four points. All right. So you're, it's all you can do to run for your life. Um, this bubble and ooze begins to recoalesce around the shape of a human, except that it's a, a human that's 14 feet high. And you can see that it's all sort of twisting itself into sinews around his body. It, it, it definitely appears like he is reforming into a human once again after becoming something else. So this is probably the right moment. <coughs> Do I know, <coughs> excuse me, the power word yet? <coughs> Um, I would say you do. You know, it's it's more than just a word. It's a it's a it's a an incantation. Can I attempt it? Sorry. Sure. Do um. Geez, you don't have many points left, do you? No. Um, I am going to say that you need to roll a one d four. And expend that many magic points. Or hit points. One. All right. So you you are in agony as you're staring into this, but you begin screaming out the words. Uh, from everybody else's point of view, the w room is suddenly reverberating with these words coming from Patrick, who doesn't seem to be anywhere about. Um, but as, as he says, you see that Naboo begins to shake, you know, like this, as he's floating in the air, and he suddenly leans back and screams this horrendous, deafening scream that fills the room. All of the people who are watching drop to their, their hands and feet, uh, in, I, I'm their, their hands and knees uh, in prayer. Uh, Munden, you do a power roll to see if you do the same. Audrey, even where you are, you're suddenly affected by this noise and throw a power roll to see if you drop onto your knees. Nope, I'm, I'm good. All right. I don't drop. Uh, Audrey uh, failed 51 for 35, so I collapse. I guess. All right, you collapse. Uh, Munden, what do you do? Freak you. Uh, so, so he said the words, or is he still chanting, or...? Is it just uh, Naboo seems to be bubbling and roiling again, the way he was a minute ago. Something okay. is definitely going wrong. Holding a few moments, uh, keeping an eye, see what's going on around me, um, and if it sounds like Patrick's done and it's and it's begun, uh, that's when I'm going to pull pull the pin, toss the bag. All right, you're tossing it right over where he is. Yeah. All right, right. right where, where... Um, Patrick, you can't let go of the, uh, the things. I need you to do another power roll. 53. Uh, I don't even have, yeah, I could spend the luck. Uh, Twenty-six luck left, just a basic success. Okay, two d six hit points. I'm done. 
All right. So uh, at that yeah, point, six, I rolled a six on the first die. At that point, your your you your shadow form just slumped to the floor. Um, nobody sees it. <laughs> um, Munden, you've pulled the pin. Toss um, the peg, bolting out of there. Audrey, you suddenly feel that the Ugalos have been freed, that the magic that was restraining them isn't there anymore. Uh, that's one for Elphinstone and one for His Highness. All right. And so, I'm pretty, pretty full of rage myself. One of the Ugalos quickly turns around and grabs Elphinstone, who's now screaming, and it just starts, it pounces him to the floor and it starts tearing him to shreds. And the other one moves towards Naboo, and Naboo doesn't seem to have any power right at the moment. So it, it attacks him and he screeches. And then all of a sudden, he begins to erupt like, uh, like the girl did at the, at the party. And for a few moments, there are bubbles of energy around him, at which point everybody do, well, not you, Patrick, but the other two do sanity rolls. Uh, this is an impact in your brain that's, uh, Passed. that's coming from the other side. And I Audrey did not pass. One d four for a pass and one d ten for a fail. That's a six. Two points. All right, uh, Audrey, you can do a one d eight. Bet you betcher. That's a four. A four. Um, Audrey, you just fall to the ground. Uh, unconscious for a few moments. Um, Munden, what you see is Naboo, they're floating in the air and he just explodes like a, like a flesh bomb going off. Bits and pieces of him go everywhere. It falls on the floor. There's goo. The tablets vanish. Uh, Elvenstone is dead. All of the people in the room, the thousand, well, there's not a thousand people in the room, but all of these people just drop dead to the ground. If the I guards toss the, fall. Yeah, if I toss the bag and, and pull the pin, I'm booking it out of there. And the bomb goes care. off. All right, the bomb goes off and splatters everything in all directions. And Munden, you're the only one who gets out alive. Um, oh. You're pretty sure that Patrick is done for, although he's a shadow person. So, um, at this point, the whole thing is such a bloody mess, and and no explanation for it. It's going to look once again like some sort of terrorist thing, with no explanation. Um. Munden, you manage to make your way down to where Audrey is, and you find her collapsed on the floor. Audrey, do uh, do a 1d6. A1. Audrey, you wake up, but you cannot remember what happened in the past hour. Mm. You remember getting ready, but you mm -hmm. don't remember anything at all happening. You've got complete amnesia for the whole event. Probably a blessing. Uh, Munden, uh, you probably need some serious psychological help. Uh, Patrick, you're dead. 
he didn't make it. Um, and that's the end of the story. <laughs> you managed to stop Naboo from taking over everything. There'll certainly be a curious succession problem with the recently abdicated king, the injured younger brother, and the deceased monarch who yeah. consumed a thousand souls. What a mess. What a mess. Did that power word have any effect on him? Yeah, it, it, it started to banish him. And once it did, he wasn't able to... Okay. Once he began the transformation, he has no powers. So you, you, the Ugalos were free. Uh, you could have shot him with a pistol. And it would have, you could have killed him with a pistol. Um, as it is, you've banished him back. He's gone. Uh, he can't get in this by this means ever again. Yeah, I mean, you died, but it's a longer lasting solution yeah. in yep. the abstract sense. Exactly. Now, you might have been able to find a cure for the shadow, except that in the game, there's no cure. Okay. My other questions was going to be, how could I fix the king after we brought him back? And the next, uh, all the winning horses for the next 20 years. <laughs> yeah. You, uh, I don't think that you could save the king. Uh, also, no more horse races for you. Well, I and had, if we lived, we might as well bet everything we owned and, and take off to where, where the, the, the Far East, wherever we were going to go. Had the king survived, had the king made the transformation, he would have become, he would have, his next job would have been to become a world ruler. He would, he would start by reestablishing the British Empire and then sending it out to, to conquer the whole world. And he wouldn't be satisfied until he was the supreme ruler of the entire earth. All right. So we have any questions? Oh, we look, boy. We can look at this chapter by chapter. Oh, where to begin? <laughs> I know. Keeps popping up is what's the deal with that doctor? The the Savaggio. Savaggio. Doctor Savaggio was hired by Delgado to get the uh, the Scroll of Endless Shadow off of Punch's body. That's the only role that he played. Oh, okay. Um, eventually he did. He just they had to go about it in a different means. Um. And he was an extremely dangerous character. Had you gone rushing into that house, there was a good chance that you would have all been killed. Yeah. Um, uh, Savaggio was a nasty, nasty piece of work. Total death uh, toll among us was seven, eight? Yeah. I mean, there are no original members. No. Uh, oh, there is one original member. Um... Uh, Jane's uh, alive, but she's uh, in coma. Yeah, right. yeah, terribly damaged. Yeah. yeah, I survive is a strong word for. But was Jane yes. an original character? No, Jane no, wasn't an original. Well, no, oh. yeah, that's right. She no, was. That's true. She was an assistant. Yeah. <laughs> you all died at one point or another. Yeah. So Belethius Ginger. I, I mean, the, the gist of the story you've already kind of guessed. Ramsey Campbell Thompson brought the artifacts from Nineveh and the children of tranquility came to reclaim them because they were dangerous as hell. But now, they were Ramsey 
had nothing to do with the evil stuff. Like he was legitimately just an investor. Uh, he was just an archaeologist. Archaeologist, okay. And rather arrogant. He's also real. He's also yes. real. Yes. Yeah. Reginald. Uh, Reginald Campbell Thompson. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Bilethius, I think he's the only real person. He and Louis Wayne. Bolethius Ginger got the uh, got the two of the tablets, the ones that you used, and transformed himself. The other two tablets um, transferred the sacrifice to Yog Sothoth directly. So the idea was to transfer the the sacrifice into a shadow, and then you send the shadow to Yog Sothoth mm. uh, as part of the ritual. Um, See, next chapter was, I think, what was it, the Horn of Alu? Uh, we could, so we couldn't destroy the statue or the horn at all? Remember, we always, we talked for like sessions about melting it down, throwing it in the Thames. Yeah, yeah any yeah. of the uh, artifacts, I mean, what's the destruction factor on those, if possible? I, I sort of, I, it didn't really give a clear picture of the answer to that. But also didn't really give a clear picture that you could blow the horn. Um, I didn't. I never put that two together. I thought that it was a bull's horn, not necessarily that it was a musical instrument. Um, until the last chapter, right? When if they had the the horn, they would blow. They would be blowing the horn as part of the ritual um, to mm -hmm. keep the uh, to keep the demon at bay. Um, next, the, the chapter after that was Bedlam. That's the one with punching and the stuff all over his skin. Um, right. Who was going in there to uh, to mess with uh, punching there? Uh, that was, was that was that was that was Aloysius Delgado's people. Uh, okay. okay. Um, the crux, way it went, crux and crux. The way it went was um, Naboo was released by. Uh, 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 Reginald uh, Campbell Thompson inadvertently when mm -hmm. he dismantled the temple and he followed the temple pieces back to London and it just so happened that there was a fellow uh, his real name um Vernon Roper, who called himself Edwin Elphinstone, uh, was a, uh, a fake medium, but he did have the ability to do automatic writing, whether he believed it or not, but it was writing. And Naboo was able to exploit that and communicate with Elphinstone because he's the god of scribes. Right. And teach Elphinstone everything that he needed to know to, bring, to help bring him back. So Elphinstone then got in good with Delgado by one means or another because he was suddenly displaying the ability to do certain fortune-telling things. Delgado became interested and then he was just using Delgado to get what he needed. Delgado didn't have a clue he thought that he was going to become an immortal god himself, which was just a line that Elphinstone was feeding him. Um, so he was completely deluded. But he was an arch criminal and uh, very powerful. All of the, a lot, almost all the nefarious stuff that went on in the game 
was was Delgado. Delgado's doing the, it. Delgado made, it, made the guys go boom. Yeah, he had actually placed a spell on them so that if they said his name out loud, they would explode. What would have happened or what will happen if RG still takes those hearts? Well, <laughs> we assume that she'll become high priestess of uh, oh yeah of Bast. Oh, she does. You know, I yeah, Bast, Bast is coming back. Bast is going to be big in the twenty first century among the hip kids of London. It all starts with cat videos. <laughs> it all starts with cats. The cat internet videos, is made of cat cats, memes. after all. Yep. Um, yeah. So the movie the only... statues that were in the British Museum, what was all that about? Oh, it yeah. It was just, just weird stuff, weird things. Just weird uh, It was the, the spirit of Naboo and the spirit of you know, all of this energy coming from the temple mm. that was just swirling around and moving stuff about. Now, that was confusing. Um, was uh, Naboo the scholar god of the Sumerians? Mm -hmm. Wasn't the, such an asshole? But this was Yogg-Sothoth was Naboo four thousand years ago, or was Yogg-Sothoth using? Uh, was an avatar of Yogg-Sothoth, and it was pretending to be Naboo. Ah, because of course it, it also had access Naboo. to right. So not not the, not traditional. The real God. Naboo, as right. it were. Okay. And the uh, uh, what the children of tranquility told you was way back when Naboo had tried this all before. He was going to become ruler of the world, and the high priest of the children of tranquility figured it out. And his solution was to take the place of the other high priest and allow. Napu Yalhutris to come into him, and then the children of tranquility buried him alive, imprisoned mm -hmm. him so that he couldn't get out and do anything. Right, right, right. Right. And and then put all of the artifacts around to make sure that nobody disturbed and created a cult to make sure that nobody disturbed this. And why why they let Rams well, you know, they're not gonna sit around there for three thousand years. They're gonna Get it's hard to maintain traditions, you know. Mm -hmm. Although there is a there is a part of it that said that that Ramsey Campbell Thompson, what's the name? Um, Reginald. Reginald Reginald was actually um, accosted by a children of tranquility who warned him not to go digging around. Of course, he just ignored it. Native superstition. Yeah. <laughs> now, is there a point that we went totally off the rails that was obvious to you? Or was it just, we were sort of bumbling in general and we bumbled a lot? I mean, where was the, where, or, yeah, was there a moment where it was like, everything is pointing toward 3L and, and we argued for two hours and said 2R. You know, I think there were a couple of moments when you guys got distracted by an idea. Mm -hmm. um, oh, yeah. But I, I think as you sort of went along those paths, you, nothing happened, so you kind of dropped it. Mm. Um, you, got, you got really distracted by um, Whitehead, was that his name? Mm -hmm. And all it says in here about him is that Whitehead 
presents himself as a rather bumbling fool, but in <laughs> fact, he is not. He is quite cunning and intelligent, mm. and he just happened to be somebody who Elphinstone know, knew, so mm. he said, could you do this for us? I'm busy, and he said, sure, <laughs> but there was nothing really nefarious or nasty about the man. He was... Right. Just a lot more clever. Yeah, at the at the moment that you met him, he wasn't being a bumbling fool. In purpose. retrospect, we went off the rails like in the first or second episode when we all decided to not be Wentworthians and decided to sneak around and like do stuff all shady in the first episode or two. When we I think that you, I think that you went in some really interesting directions. It was fun. Oh yeah. Um, Crow juice is, is what I'm always going to remember for the rest of my well, life in this game. Well, the chatting wagon's going to exist in other realms, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. That's going to that's gonna carry on. The chatting wagon's going to come back as a mythos object. Yeah. From all, the, from all the people that have exploded. In the <laughs> oh, yeah. Seat. All the residual energy and stuff. Yeah. Um, or, or, or been murdered inappropriately as NPCs. The first um, here's something interesting. When you when you attacked Mrs. Lewis, yeah. One of the things one of the things that was happening was Mrs. Lewis was becoming highly attuned to the cat side, Opal. And as a result, she was not only drawing cats to her house, but she was drawing cats out of the dreamlands. And she was also a huge fan of uh, uh, Lewis Wayne. And so she was actually mentally constructing some of his paintings into cats. That was the strange, sparkly right. cats that you were seeing. They weren't real. They were her creation, sort of, out of, out of the dreamlands, out of her own mind. Um, with, with everything that happened in the adventure up to that point, I still stand by Cyrus's motives of shooting her. I still stand by it. He died horrible, probably one of the most horrible deaths in, in this game, but I still, if I did, had to do it again, he'd still shoot her. That very nearly derailed. I that didn't whole mean to chapter. do it on purpose. I wasn't trying to <laughs> throw a monkey wrench, but. Well, it was weird. We really went into that house and became extremely rude extremely quickly. And she was polite in the very beginning. She was talking to you. No, she, she gave us tea. The end of the day, it, it was bizarre. What you didn't know was that she had a hundred protectors right, right around her that weren't going to hesitate yeah. if you pulled a gun on her or did something. Also, that her house had uh, more than one dimension in it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, you know, my first character died by falling yeah. out a window into a different dimension. Now, Audrey may find that as she uh, becomes more in, attuned to Bass, that the windows in her house might open up onto uh, uh, Uther, Uthar. Yeah. In the Ulthar. Dreamlands. Ulthar. Ulthar, yeah, no. Audrey's gonna, Audrey's gonna have a nice place in Ulthar before, before middle age, at the way things are going. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, 
once you find out that there's a deity that will favor you and you just have to kill a couple people and you've saved the entire planet, those two assholes, they're not a big deal. Yeah. I, you know, in the, few, the next six months of Audrey Leicaster's life involve uh, a very dark, a very dark tale, I suspect. But followed by, you know. And then there was a good chance. The thing is, is that you took the, you took the translations of the scrolls to Meeks and the pictures. And he managed to decipher enough of them to tell you never to read them out loud, which was good. That could have been a whole interesting thing yeah. where one of you reads them. Of course, you could have, once they were stolen from you, one of you could have sacrificed himself and read something from them, and then they would have transferred to your body and disintegrated wherever the bad guys had them. That would have been a, a way to, to deal with that, a rather horrible one, because there's no way to remove them. But they disintegrate the when someone's read, when, they, when right. they're read? Um, I don't think we ever learned that. Punchian had scrolls, which he got from the museum. He took them home and was reading them and tried to perform the ritual. And when he did, they disintegrated into dust and wrote themselves all over his body. So when the bad guys realized that they could do the same thing, that's what happened. Punchin died in a rather horrific way because he just sort of crumbled up as the writing transferred to somebody else, which they could skin alive. And that was the only way to get them. There was probably 1,100 people dead in this scenario. <laughs> Easily. Easily. Oh, I, yeah, I think it's more like three grand. I mean, just just in the final collapse, there's the thousand people who followed us in. <laughs> this was one shit show for humanity. <laughs> there's Savaggio. That was oh, yeah. really cool. Getting ready to cut, punch it up. Oh, uh, just kind of curious. Had, had, had uh, Vadim survived, would he have been able to catch on to uh, Elphinstone? Uh, earlier in the, the whole that thing. That's hard to say. Had Jane continued, mm. once she realized that there was a conspiracy against the crown, she might have been able to do something more than what you guys could do to stop stop it from happening. And oh, the thing is, is that it was it was pretty much inevitable. If mm -hmm. he couldn't get go directly to the king, he would have gone to somebody else and then worked his way up the line, you know? Right. Um, by, the, by the way, I do have a secret that I need to, to share since it's been kind of brought up. Um, probably the, one of the few secrets. Um, Jane was MI6. Uh, so uh, what's his name was correct all along? Well, he was suspicious on that. And, well, the thing is, Jane, uh, the way I played her was that she was out of her element and she was very um, having a hard time trying to keep her cover because her, cover, her normal cover is more on the fashion show, more of the social end of things, uh, keeping an eye on um, what society, what, what, what proper society would consider undesirables. Right. And stuff, i.e. Bohemians and, and uh, the the uh, alternative communities and that sort of thing. And kind of being forced into 
Yep. And kind of being forced into, you know, going into more of a detective role and stuff, it was very difficult for her to transition and I played her as such. So cool. yeah, she kind of came off as, as, you know, being, you know, kind of her, her, who she was was kind of slipping through and stuff. And I, I intended that. And uh, John caught that on with, with, uh, with his character. Let's, uh, let's go ahead and finish it then. We can talk after. <laughs> Our players sure. included David Gassaway, Ford Fitch, and Jason Nolichok with myself as the Keeper of the Secrets. We'd also like to thank uh, John Byram and uh, Jerry Bryant for also playing with us. Uh, we're currently producing up to four shows a week with music and sound effects added in post-production in order to create a richer listener experience. We provide audio-only versions of our shows free for you to download from Podbean or iTunes. The costs involved with the show are provided almost entirely by our patrons. Without them, we wouldn't be able to do what we do. If you'd like to help support our show, please visit our Patreon account. Just a dollar or two a month helps us a lot. You can find a link in the description below. Like, share, and subscribe to our channel, and punch that bell icon for updates on our latest shows. And leave us some comments. We enjoy reading them and answering any questions you might have. This is Tom Rayleigh, together with all the members of our gaming club, inviting you to journey with us once again into the darkness for another adventure in the universe of H.P. Lovecraft and the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game. Until next time, good luck and good gaming.